0: Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbert, also known as Han Meets World. And today we'll be chatting with Renee Latour. Originally from the US, Renee is Chief Operations Officer of Dow Financial Solutions and the creator of Ticket to Freedom, as well as writer of the Fancy Nomad blog. In this episode, we talk about finding your style of travel, scaling business as a solopreneur and managing business on the road. So grab a coffee, a tea or something stronger and let's get started. Amazing. So do you want to t- um, start us off with telling us a little bit about your remote life journey so far and what brings you up to where we're at in Buenos Aires today?
1: Yeah. So when I think about where my journey started, it gets a little blurry because when did it really start, right? Like how Mm. far back do I go? And for today, I just feel like I'm thinking of going back to after graduating college or uni, as you call it, the real, what I call like the real education started where I had the time that opened up because I was actually working full-time and going to school full-time at night. So I was like, you know, working my way through college. I didn't have a traditional college experience like other people had where they kind of, you know, they go to college for four years and get to focus in. I was one of the working girls where I was like working from the age of 18 full time and going to school at night. So I didn't really have a lot of free time for myself and like personal development and that part of my growth. And so once I graduated college, I was about 24, 25, That's when the real school started and I started exploring myself and what was important to me and really going deep into self-development and everything, you know, from Tony Robbins to Alan Watts to meditation and journaling and really figuring out what was important to me instead of just kind of like following the crowd and going with what everyone else around me was doing. And it was at that time that I really found out that I was more interested in experiences and not things. I was the biggest consumer I knew. I had as countless shoes and handbags and wristwatches, like to go with every outfit. And I, I was the biggest consumer. Um, I had a, a shit ton of credit card debt. Was way over my head, just living check to check, um, working a typical nine to five, and just trying to climb the corporate ladder. But it was really when I started spending time with myself and what I really wanted my mind really opened up to the possibilities of life. And it was around that time. um, It was years, you know, this was years of like, okay, I was 25, 26, 27. When I decided I was just going to quit my job and figure things out and quitting my job and realizing that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I just didn't know what, that is what brought me on the journey of really having the freedom that I wanted, you know, making that decision of, designing my life around my job and not the other way around, because really my world revolved around working and, you know, going into my nine to five, living for the weekends, just having free time here and there. But it was like, yeah, I was just on that hamster wheel. And so when I decided that I was just going to quit, figure it out, I burned the boats essentially, because I had no plan. Um, Not that I recommend this at all. Teach their own. For me, this was my journey. I just had this Entrepreneurial spirit that I really couldn't quiet any longer, and I just took the plunge and started testing things out, figuring out what would work for me, and figuring out how I could get the most freedom possible in all sense of of the word. So financial freedom, because again, I had credit card debt, I was living check to check, I didn't have all the savings to live off of. So how could I get the most financial freedom? How could I get the most time freedom? How could I really enjoy my life? How could I? create that financial abundance without working myself to death. Like I really don't, I really knew that it didn't need to be hustle and grind. I knew that I could have a really full life where I did what I wanted to do and I didn't have to pay my dues. And I really wanted to prove that to myself. And I really wanted to create that. So I just started exploring and making mistakes and having failures and figuring it out. Um, and that's really where the journey started. If I had to say where I started and how I got here, now we can talk all about that, <laughs> you know, because that's been, you know, that's been a journey since 2016, figuring that out and, and figuring out what that looks like for me, entrepreneurship, location dependence, which I never thought was a thing that I wanted. I thought I would be totally fine. Vacations here, or there, two weeks here, three weeks there. I thought that was totally okay until I realized that I could run my business from anywhere in the world, then that opened that whole world up to me and realizing, oh, I can just travel full time. And it's incredible. And it's a lifestyle that has changed my life, but I never really planned on it. It was just kind of by by accident, just by exploring and just by by living the way I wanted to live. That's
0: really cool. Yeah, I think um, and what you said about not thinking that location dependence would be for you, I so resonate that with that. I, having like lived abroad uh, for a couple of times growing up, and then, well, it's part of growing up, I suppose, being 20 something is technically all grown up by that point. But I remember thinking, like, after I moved back from Brazil 10 years ago, I was like, right, I actually think I could be okay, you know, living in London or something like that, like, you know, closer to home. And then watching like YouTube videos of people creating content of setting their laptops up in Thailand and like other beautiful places in the world. I was like, oh, wait, okay, yeah, I've got that itch still. I've got that itch. So I think there are a few people out there who probably feel similar.
1: It's funny because when I look back, I wasn't really exposed to that. I think it was Mm. more just, I was working this nine to five. I knew that entrepreneurship was in the cards for me. I just didn't know what it looked like. I went to business school. I studied business management. I went, you know, I took entrepreneurship classes, which it's not really anything. (laughs) It's like reading a book, not actually taking action. And then, you know, working my nine to five and realizing like, this isn't how I want to spend the next 20 years of my life. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Again, like I I don't bash that. I don't at all like teach their own, but I just knew for me, I wanted the freedom to choose and I knew I could do it. I just didn't know what it would look like. And so when I was meeting other entrepreneurs, I was like, they actually don't have any more freedom than anyone who's clocking into nine to five. They're working their tails off, they're like grinding, they're hustling, they're, you know, and I was like, Well, I don't want that either. And I was totally fine with um, living in Scottsdale. So I'm from Arizona and Arizona is an incredible place, except for the summers. Like summers are brutal. It's just, it's gnarly. So I was totally fine. That's
0: that's what I've heard from other people from Arizona. Literally they've said the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was totally fine um, living in Scottsdale, uh, you know, and and that was, it wasn't like I wanted to travel and that's why I wanted to be an entrepreneur. That wasn't really my motivation in the start. My motivation was just like, how can I make more money, stop living check to check and create, you know, something from nothing. And so I looked around and I tried to find who do I know, you know, my sphere of influence who has the most freedom. And it was funny because it was like really literally right under my nose, my partner, who was previously working for another company went off on his own and started his own business and I was helping him like with all of the you know all the stuff that's involved with filing for an LLC setting up your website doing all of that and I was actually moonlighting a little bit going to trade shows and doing things like that but I never really saw myself like in the financial services industry I was just kind of like not really thinking of that I was thinking about other things that were Falling into my lap, um, like life coaching and things that people were asking me for. Um, but then when I realized like of all the entrepreneurs I knew, he had the most autonomy, like he had the most freedom. He was making the most amount of money. And so I was like, yeah, why don't I give this a try? So I did. So I just stepped right into financial services, started cold calling, like total boots on the ground, like going meeting people one-to-one, building those relationships that it takes to build any business, calling people, asking if they needed my services, getting a lot of no's, you know, getting like really skimming my knees. And then, yeah, after a couple months, like it was three months until I got my first deal and then I was completely hooked. Like it was a very leveraged business model. But again, I was totally fine being in Scottsdale. I was like, yeah, this is totally cool. It wasn't until 2017. So um, it was like six months later, we took a trip to Europe and we still had to run the business, you know, the two of us. We couldn't just, there was no one to run it for us. So we realized we could still run it from Europe. We had to work at night. So we were kind of like working at night, exploring Rome and France and everything um, during the day. But then I realized like, okay, it it took going on that trip to realize we could do this remotely. It wasn't actually seeing anybody online doing it or knowing anybody who lives remote, you know, who has this remote lifestyle. It actually took us doing it. So it was kind of strange. That's how we both decided, especially because again, the the summers in in Scottsdale are brutal. That's when we both decided, Oh, like the mission became having a remote first business. The mission became we actually don't want a brick and mortar because we had an office too, So the mission became, we don't want a brick and mortar. We don't want a staff of 50 people. We don't want to grow this thing into this big behemoth empire of like what you normally see as like these big businesses. And it's like, no, we don't want that anymore. We actually want location dependence. We actually want a freedom first business. We actually want to have a really lean team, like as few people as possible uh, to run the business from any time zone. And that's when I became obsessed with systems, with creating efficiencies in the business with removing both of us from the day-to-day of the operation so it was in 2017 when I really became like okay we need to have a really lean business that runs completely without us
0: yeah and do you want to explain a little bit about your business and like what you do because yeah yeah, sure so me my ears are pricking of course going oh, um, lean systems like that's literally like music to my project management ears so do just explain that a little bit about what you do
1: yeah, of course. So as I described with starting in financial services, my partner and I run this business remotely. We've been running it since then. So this has been multiple years that we've successfully run a business that's based in the US from any time zone. So we've lived in Africa, we've lived in Asia, we lived and Asia's the worst. And I can I can go down that story of like being in Thailand at 3 AM on the phone with a client, acting like, you know, I was back in the States and trying to keep my eyes open. And I've been there, you know what I mean? So I knew, like, I want to be able to live in Asia and not have to be up at 3 a.m. because that's just not sustainable. And that's why, you know, again, I became so obsessed with being able to automate as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So over the years with our uh, financial services company, just like automating everything, delegating, hiring, you know, Swiss Army knife, virtual assistants that can handle everything operationally for me um, so that I could just wake up and have things being done. And so I remember like, it's so vividly, it was like February, 2020, waking up in Malaysia and just having a funding notice come in. I had my guy in Tennessee, like just handling it for me. And looking back on that, that was the moment where I was like, I did it. I was able to create, you know, a remote business that essentially runs without me killing myself in the process. So now fast forward to 2023, <laughs> uh, my partner and I, we only work a few hours per week on that finance company runs without us, uh, with a very lean team. You know, it's not like I have a bunch of people. I have one operations person, you know what I mean? And it's, and it's handled. We then from there created a course because from creating all of the standard operating procedures that created, and it's essentially, we realized this is a business that we can help other entrepreneurs have. So my partner, basically took the lead on that project so that's basically a whole course program for entrepreneurs who want to enter the financial services space and then for me again because time freedom is lovely Financial freedom, absolutely. Anyone tells you, who tells you money is not great is full of crap. Like money is great because it it gives you more resources. You can help more people. You can then create mass amount of wealth for yourself. So I'm not here to say like, oh, money is not important. Like profits are definitely important and definitely the objective in business, um, and that's all amazing. But for me, I just wanted to keep creating, and so like I have this spirit within me. Like I just want to create more and more businesses and opportunities and help people. And, um, that is what started, you know, take it to freedom and being able to help other solopreneurs do the same thing that I've done in the financial services business that I've done in the education business. Like how can you create a business, which you've already done as a solopreneur and you put your heart and your soul and everything into it, but then being able to remove yourself from it, being able to, what I often say, like unchain yourself, because even though you love your business and you love a lot of parts of it, wearing all of the hats, while you're trying to scale, you know, to, you know, past 100K and beyond, at a certain point, you really do have to take a step back and look, you know, for, zoom out of your business and see your business as a system and all the systems within that and being able to identify the efficiencies, remove yourself as the bottleneck and be able to automate, delegate and mostly remove a lot of what you're doing so that you can have the time freedom. So you really can Travel wherever you want and not have to be up at 3 a.m. or not be bogged down by client work or not being able to restrict yourself from where you can travel because the time zone just doesn't make sense.
0: You honestly read my mind, like as I was thinking about that, um, about scaling, because I think that's one of the biggest questions that people have. Because theoretically, it's very easy to start a business, right? Yeah, you know, it's pretty straightforward stuff. But then how do you keep it going and how do you create sustainable systems? And also, when do you then know to scale? Because I find a lot of the time there's no right answer to scaling. Yeah. You, no. it's, it's neither do it when you're ready, because I don't think you'll ever be ready, and it's not. It's not also don't uh, do it before you're ready, because that also isn't entirely true. Can you pinpoint a moment where you kind of just went and kind of just describe how it felt for you as an experience? It's time to scale.
1: Yeah because I love that you said there's no one size fits all. I'm definitely not the type of person who tries to take a square peg and cram it into a round hole. Every business is a little different. And for me, it's like two part. First part is being driven by what you really want in life. Like what do you really want your lifestyle to be? And that needs to be the driving factor because otherwise as an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, whatever you call yourself, when you have the freedom to work whenever, however, with whoever, you can literally work yourself to death. So you do have to be very disciplined and clear on what you want your lifestyle to look like. So like I said, once I decided, oh, I want to be location independent. I want to be able to travel wherever, you know, and, and I want to be able to run the business at any time zone without being up at 3 a.m., that's when I got really focused in on removing myself. Because otherwise, if I was just like, no, I'm totally fine in Scottsdale. I can just work a normal schedule. I would just, nothing would have changed really without having that desire of like, really, what do I want my lifestyle to be? And then the second piece of it is that when you're first starting in business, and anyone's telling you, like, oh yeah, just click a button and you'll just make loads of money and you'll just work an hour a day. I, I just don't subscribe to that crap. I, I don't believe that to be true. Um, that just hasn't been my experience. Like when you, you know, when you start an entrepreneurship, it's super messy and you're figuring things out and you're doing experiment after experiment. But once you find what works and you can identify points of leverage, then that's where you get to the scaling point. A number I often use, and this is just relevant to US currency, is 100K in revenue. Again, every business, there's nuances to every business. But when you're around that 100K mark, that is typically a good sign like, okay, what you're doing makes sense. You have a a market, um, you have a product that people are buying, you're making money. And that's where we can really evaluate okay, what's working, what's not working, what fire needs to be. Fueled, you know, where do we want to add more of our resources? Where do we want to evaluate pricing structure and market fit and like all of those things? So that's where I I kind of like to use that as a benchmark if that makes sense. But again, it's not a one size fits all. You could be at 50K a year or how people like to say 5K months, 10K months, whatever. You could be even below that and still be at the point where. Okay, how can we scale this baby? Cuz it depends on your business model. So I hate to say again one size fits all, but for me that's what it looked like for me like around that 100k mark and then that's what I see with my clients as well. But again, give or take. It could be someone, you know, who's at 500, it could be someone who's at 50. I think it's more about are you at capacity? You know, are you at capacity with your clients or are you at a plateau in your revenue? Like if you feel like you're just kind of plateaued and you're like, okay, something has to give, then that's also a trigger.
0: One piece of advice that I um I heard last year that because I said work on projects and launches and things, and again, like there's never kind of like a right time. You kind, it's almost it sounds mm-hmm. kind of fluffy, but there's almost like a gut instinct to it as well. And one piece of advice that I felt like summarized scaling so well for me was. Do what you can to get back to creating, and by creating that, because this and this came from an Instagrammer that I follow, but it was not about get back to literally taking your photos on Instagram. For her, it kind of was because like that's her whole business model—it's taking beautiful photos and videos for Instagram—and she was getting starting up obviously other aspects of her business were starting to kind of take up more of her time, and then it impacted what was making her money in the first place. So, like you said with like, is it plateauing? Is your business plateauing? So she then said, how am I I going back to creating? And then she delegated the bits of her business that obviously like she knew she could do, but it didn't mean that she had to do. And I found that so refreshing to hear because it was like, yes, this explains it for me.
1: Absolutely. And 100% business every day in and out comes down to trusting yourself. Mm. And I think that in the time and space that we're in right now with the internet, God bless the internet because I mean, it's just, it just brings so much abundance into the world, but there is so much information out there. There's no shortage. Mm. There's no shortage of information. You really have to distill like what makes sense to you because at any point, people are trying to give you advice about your business, but it really does come down to trusting yourself. And the reason why I'm so hesitant to say, Oh, this is the point. Again, I just want to share my own story because that's all I can do, but this is why I don't give advice is because I often see people who are trying to scale or systematize or delegate or automate too early because they don't want to do the work. And that's always a red flag to me because if you don't want to do the work, it's probably because you're not in alignment with your mission. You're really not. If that desire just isn't there. And what I also see people do is they wait too late and they wait for an oh shit moment, like a birth or a death or, you know, a burnout, like literally hospitalizing yourself. And then you realize, oh yeah, I actually need to delegate or, oh, I need to get back to what I really love. And that's the creative process or, you know, that's the, you know, working with clients really on a deep level, whatever that is. And I hate to see that happen on one side of the spectrum and the other side of the spectrum. So like there's that Middle area of, like you said, trusting your gut and trusting yourself to say, okay, I need help with this. You know, that's obviously where I come in as an outsider, as a co pilot to say, okay, what really needs to be done in your business? Let's clean things up so that you can get your time freedom back so you can really live in alignment with what you want in life and have your business fit around that because there's really no reason not to. Like you did all of this work to set up your business, to get things going, to get people to pay you money. It's not easy. It's a hard freaking process and you've done all of that. Now you can get to a point where you can scale, where you can get help. It doesn't have to be as scary as you think. I know a lot of people, they have a lot of hesitations about delegating and I understand all of them because I've been there. Um, But there are things that you can do and there are ways that you can onboard people. There are ways that you can authentically and ethically use automation as a great tool so there are things that you can do when done in the right way will support you in your business so you have a life that you love because there's no reason you shouldn't
0: I love that honestly I could keep talking about business um but just wary of your time (laughs) I could talk about all these different things and like and like missions and all that all day but I'm just wary so just to pivot slightly fancy nomading Obviously, we had a great chat about this, and this is your Instagram handle. And you've got a blog. Of, like, did you actually you the blog, didn't you?
1: So, okay, let me just again. I kind of went back in time, like 2016, 2017, when this journey started and this this freedom of being able to work remotely. It wasn't until the end of 2019 that I was officially able to travel full-time because I had a house a car again like I said we had an office so we had all of these these loose ends that we had to tie up we weren't just you know fresh out of college just put my backpack on and go be a digital nomad like that wasn't mm-hmm. you know that wasn't our journey you know we had to start off small and really eliminate everything in our life and all of our possessions and all that so at the end of 2019 is when our official like full-time travel started and early 2020 we were in Chiang Mai, and at a cafe and just happened to see this flyer next to the restroom that said digital nomad summit or nomad summit or something 2020. And we were like, wait, what's this? And so we went to the event and that's when I was introduced this whole idea of a digital nomad. So that's, what's so funny is that I was already a digital nomad, I guess, by definition, but I had no idea that I was until going to this event and realizing, oh shit, there's like hundreds of, and now I know even thousands of people who are working from their laptop and just like living anywhere. And they call themselves digital nomads. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And my whole thought was people normally think that nomads are dirty hair, (laughs) hitchhiking, living in um, hostels. And there are, so I'm not saying that there aren't nomads who live (laughs) like that, that's not all of us. Um, and that's what I realized, you know, when I'm meeting other travelers, you know, in Asia and South Africa and like everywhere. And I'm like meeting other travelers and I'm like, no, we're not all these, you know, what people think of a nomad, this hippie, you know, kind of, I mean, I am a hippie for sure, um, but you know, (laughs) broke and just kind of doing like the minimal, you know, the minimal amount possible just to live in the cheapest place possible. That's not all of us, you know, that it's just not reality. And I've actually met the contrary, where people have successful businesses, that they're professionals, that they are living a very um, comfortable, luxurious life, including myself and my partner, and not making any sacrifices in the doing so, in, in the doing of of living this, you know, remote life, this location dependent life. And that's where I came up with this whole silly, you know, or, you know, just kind of like fancy nomad, because that's what we are, you know, all of us that are, it's not just me. I'm not the fancy nomad. It's like, this is yeah. kind of like an idea of you don't really have to sacrifice the creature comforts that you have at home. And that's why I often share, like, you know, I'll, I'll do like a quick video of my accommodation or my meal or because I, it's funny, people back home think that we're, again, living in dirty hostels, eating, you know, sh- street food. And that's kind of like the lifestyle. But I'm like, no, that's only, an option of the lifestyle. That's not it. Like these accommodations in these other countries are incredible and the food is amazing and the people are fantastic. And I definitely don't like to glamorize the nomad lifestyle because as you know, like you have to be okay with a certain level of uncertainty. You have to be okay with things not always being up to snuff. So like, I'm not in any ways glamorizing it, but I do want to spread the message that there are many of us, thousands, hundreds of thousands that are living amazingly full lives. And it's not just about barely getting by. It's about living in abundance and having as much as you want in this lifestyle.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, like, so obviously we met um, at Bansko Nomad Fest last year and we're like seeing your outfits every day. I was like, wow, oh my gosh, so glamorous. Like, I love it. But I agree. It's, it's about being able to, because I have to say, I take my hat off to people who can fly across the world with like two t-shirts, like a pair of jeans and their laptop, like hats off to you, that works for you. And obviously, like, I've done the budget travel thing, like as an early 20 something, but it got to the point where I was like, okay, well, if I know that digital nomad living, you know, working, traveling full time is my calling, as it were, how do I make that kind of just that bit more comfortable for myself. So I went about like about a year before I even like actually took the leap. I went about just trying to make sure that I had as many essentials as possible to make my journey comfortable. Like you said, it's about comfort, whether that's like, you know, having a couple extra travel things like that make it just that much more ease for you or yeah, being able to go stay in places that again, provide that extra level of security and luxury that Right,
1: exactly. And there's no right and wrong. I do. I, I'm always kind of hesitant. I don't want to come across as like no, some, uh, you know, arrogant yeah. or whatever, like, oh, the, no, it's and it, again, it, budget. Yeah. Budget travel is completely fine. Um, for me, I just didn't want to sacrifice. Like I had, That's a, it. I had a really nice life in Scottsdale, like really beautiful apartment, luxury apartment, you know, nice things. Like I said, I was the biggest materialistic <laughs> consumer that you could think of. I'm not now like I'm, I'm totally cool with one pair of, you know, tennis shoes, one pair of nice shoes, you know, but I don't need to uh, restrict myself because I don't want to pay uh, the baggage fee, or mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to go to this place because it's cheaper. But I, you know, I, what I really want is a nice steak. So it's kind of the balance of I do love going to countries where there's like, extremely crazy value. Like mm-hmm. here in Argentina, you, we're having a, incredible wine, like a beautiful bottle of Malbec wine that otherwise I would be spending. 120 bucks for back home, you know, at the Dow Vineyards, which, which I have, like I've been to California vineyards and, and purchased, you know, $150 bottle of wine because that's what I wanted, but you can go to other countries and get, or wine that's just as good for $9. And it's just like crazy or even less like three bucks or whatever. So it's not to say that a value isn't important to me and that there's not so much to gain out of, you know, having that budget, but it's not the driving factor for me, if that makes sense. You know, the driving factor for me is again, like you said, comfort, safety, you know, just having that quality of life that I want. And it's different for everybody. And I think that we should all be comfortable showing that side of like, yeah, my bag isn't always, you know, meeting the weight requirement. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay because I carry, you know, six different serums for my skincare routine. (laughs) I enjoy it. You know, it's just like, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, there's nothing wrong with either or.
0: Oh no, completely, completely. It is absolutely down to everybody's different tastes. And like, of course, it also differs for different people, whether it's long or like short travel, like, Everyone is absolutely different, and I think that's what I, well, I was just so keen to chat to you because it because it is it, everyone's journey is different. Like even down to I made sure to upgrade from economy to premium economy on a long haul flight once, and oh my gosh, I had the best night's sleep. On I'm pretty sure I snored the cabin out, but I slept for like seven eight hours on the plane because I'd upgraded and I was so comfortable and like just doing that little thing for myself. Just it was like that process again of just making things more comfortable, making things a lot more ease and like for myself. And yeah, I think it's just figuring out what for you is gonna make your. It's not even about travel; it's about your life. You know what's gonna make your life smoother and more fulfilling for you? I'd say. And yeah, completely agree. It is there is no one size fits all at all. I do have to ask though. Like, there is there anything like? That you cannot live without when when it comes to business, like obviously you're on the go a lot. So is there anything like either personally or for business that you are like right? I need this. Say top three. Yeah,
1: yeah. I travel with really, and I don't know. The more the more I share this with people, people are like me too. But (gasps) I thought at first I was like this is ridiculous to be traveling with these things, and I didn't at first. So I left these things at home and then I quickly realized, like literally it was within six months that I'm like, why do I feel like something's missing? And I realized everything that I need for sleep. So mm-hmm. my, oh, I'm going to give you more than three. <laughs> Cause That's I'm right. like, wait, so I'm like, okay. Sleep is one category, everything I need for sleep. So I love my silk pillowcase,
0: cool.
1: my silk eye mask. So I don't even know the brand. I get it on Amazon. It's not anything crazy, um, but it's like a nice eye mask. It's not like one of those cheapy ones. So that I get really good sleep, good earplugs, because again, my sleep is like my number one thing. So when people say like, "Oh, is this for business?" Heck yeah, it's for business. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm getting my full, you know, seven to eight hours, I'm going to be just better overall. Mm-hmm. You know, my day to day, I'm just going to be better performance. So that's like I have to have those things with me for sure, just to have that good sleep. And then as far, I didn't think that this was important, but there is a hippie side to me. So I travel with crystals. Mm-hmm. I travel with smudge sticks. So if I have like. Uh, Sage or paleato or any of those, like I travel with that. So I always have that if I want to burn to cleanse my own energy, my own space, or cleanse the energy of the place that I'm staying mm-hmm. um, because there is energy that gets, you know, um, stuck within us and then also within objects and space and everything. So for me, like having my smudge stick that I can burn for myself or the space that I'm in. And then the last one is essential oils. So when I was back, before I started traveling full time, I had way too many. Like I was, again, consumerism. I had like 30 and I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I did get it down to only the few that I absolutely need, like lavender, peppermint, rosemary and oregano I kind of switch those ones out and then like a citrus one which is fine I can do lemongrass orange or lemon it, they all kind of do the same thing for me but having those essential oils I didn't think was such a big deal until I missed them and I was like oh I actually need my essential oils so those are the things that I travel with all the time which may might not make sense for other people
0: I love that you talked about your hippie side because um yeah, there's been a couple of people who I've spoken to, especially within the last year, being in the nomad space, who have just, like, you've gone from talking about business, like, in the very, like, traditional sense to, and also I, like, had this side of me that I also lean into. Like, so I was talking to somebody about who was super into astrology and using astrology to predict, predict business trends. And, like, this person's in, like, a C-suite uh, level, you know, um, position. And I was like, I absolutely love that the this is becoming more of a thing people are using just kind of becoming more in tune with themselves on an intuitive level as too. so essential oils for me i say like comes into that and it's just understanding how your body works and just being able to like not even necessarily have you know your standard necessities but just the things that your body you don't even realize needs to get on with business day to day and yeah, it's yes. just out.
1: and whatever, whatever those tools are to you, right? Like when we talk about your practices, you know, like you, everything that you hear online and there's nothing wrong with any of this. Like, I love it. Like anything like meditation, yoga, retreats, mm. cold plunges, dry sauna. Like I love doing all of that stuff. Or like we're talking about the essential oil or, or smudging or whatever you're doing for your own rituals. Those are just tools that you have in your toolbox right and I always want to have certain tools available to me most of those tools don't require anything at all you know it's just you going walking out on nature in nature or doing some breath work or whatever it is but there's no separation between spiritual practice and work or relationships or whatever or, or traveling or interacting with you know locals when you go to a new city it's all a spiritual practice everything that you do in life is an opportunity to practice. Your spirituality, your whatever that, and that's that looks like, you know, different for everybody. You know, for me, it's always about letting go, you know, letting my ego die, letting go, um, surrendering to what is, letting emotions out, letting old stuff that's stuck in me, that old energy, letting that out and, you know, becoming, becoming myself, more of who I am. And, there's no difference. There's no separation in business. You don't shut it off. You know mm-hmm. it's part of it. So yeah, when you ask like, what tools do you need? Is it like a certain laptop or something? I'm like, no, I oh. can work with any laptop. It'll work. You know, I can work with any phone. That is a really... more of the uh, god. It's more of the spiritual stuff. It's more of the esoteric stuff, I guess.
0: It's like you know, when people say like reading between the lines. It's the what's the stuff you need that's between the lines. Like, you can go on Google and find, like, a list of the top 10 essentials for anything. But what is it that you need that's going to make those essentials that much better? Or, yeah, I think that I completely agree. Yeah, so I just have one last question. Leading on from that, what would you say, like, is your top, like, either piece of advice or, like, something that people need to know when, if if they choose to start a business or, like, when they start a business?
1: So more about starting a business, not really about remote life.
0: Pick one. That's a good, good
1: counter. (laughs) Whatever comes to mind. Yeah. Without sounding too repetitive. Again, I I don't like to give advice, but I would say just for me, it's been about having complete clarity Mm -hmm. of what, again, what you want your life to look like and being really aware of if that's really you. If that's really deep down you in there, if that's really what you in there want, or is it because of what your parents did or wanted or because of what your partner or because of what society is saying, what's right or wrong, because I see a lot of people that are pushed around by the wind because they have this idea of what success looks like. It's usually monetary. It's kind of funny like that, even though we all know that's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not really going to bring you happiness and fulfillment. Um so knowing really deeply, what do I want when I'm 80, 90 years old and I'm in my rocking chair my deathbed, am I gonna look back on my life and say, fuck yeah, I did it. I did the hard things, I stepped through the fears, I really allowed myself to be me. And that's really what's, what it's going to come down to because entrepreneurship is a beautiful vehicle for self-development. And that's what the experiences have been for me, even right now, like I'll be very transparent and I love, you know, to have this transparency of, you know, what I'm building right now with my consultancy has been shedding so many layers of me that I thought, hey, didn't I didn't I attack this two years ago, three years ago when I was making, you know, six years ago and I was making cold calls? And it's like, no, that is an it's an ongoing thing of self-discovery and really connecting to your your higher energy. And um entrepreneurship can be that way if you allow it to be. So just really giving yourself time and space to sit down and say, What do I really want? Because when I am there at the end of my life, am I going to look back and say, hell yeah, I sing my song. I let my music be heard.
0: I'm like, so I forgetting that I'm um, on a podcast right now with you. I'm just like, wow, like I could listen to you for ages. I have one last thing I'm going to ask, and that is fill in the blank. Home is where?
1: My spirit is
0: beautiful renee I, I,
1: yeah again i'm just like i don't know why we went on this spiritual route but yeah mm. i could feel like i could talk to you for another hour just about that right
0: absolutely absolutely obviously there's got to be a part two of this
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh, renee it's been amazing to chat thank you so much and uh yeah i'll um send everybody your links so they can go find out more about the fancy nomad life and what you're up to <laughs> thank you han
1: it's been so much fun to be here with you today
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life and thank you Renee for taking the time to speak with us. You can find links to Renee's website and socials below. Thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.